Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. And I hope you're enjoying the 50 most relevant for 2023. Because after this episode, you're just one away from wrapping up this for your pre-season. Talking about Western Bulldog Jackson McRae. Why is he where he is in the 50 most relevant? We will unpack that right throughout this episode and the corresponding article at coachespanel.tv. Joining me on this podcast as he has right throughout the preseason for ever since the coaches panel has existed, you've heard this man's voice on the podcast. Fellow co-founder Rids, hello buddy, how are you? Hey mate, and congratulations, mate. We're down to the second last name that you're going to call out. And so I've got a question for you. Before we go starting oh, yes. this pod, mm. how long before you start thinking about 2024? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it'll be September is when I start the 2024 uh, 50 most relevant preseason planning and stuff like that. So uh, I might enjoy some finals football and, and then it'll be definitely back on the tools right so yeah no it's the good news is even once the 50 most relevant is done there's still plenty of podcasts we, we talk a lot more strategy the intra clubs the practice games the rookies there is so much more that now starts to come outside of the player analysis so that will be coming for you both in article form and through the podcast over the next under four weeks until round one gets underway. Let's talk about Jackson McRae. Is still really nicely positioned in his career at 28 years of age to suggest that regression might not be in the cards for him just yet. Midfielder eligible only, and his top score last year came against the GWS Giants in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team with a 148, while in Supercoach, it was against Rizz's Tigers with a 158. Neither of those scores are anywhere near what he's done previously. You can pretty much add another 40, 50 points to get towards some career highs, which both happened to be in 2018 across the formats. 190 against the Tigers in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. 189 against the Gold Coast Suns in Supercoach. It's in that format of Supercoach that he's been a beast for such a long time, and he'll set you back just under $635,000. It's because he's coming in at that price point due to his average of 115.2. While a 103.4 average in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team means he'll set you back 916 k in Fantasy and $938,300 in dream team rids every single year you can just guarantee on not many things in fantasy football but pretty much since 2014 we've been able to guarantee ourselves that jackson mccray will score like a premium he'll be towards the top of the tree of our premium midfielders and even in an underwhelming year which some would say he had in 2022 we'll look at the stats in a moment you know i love my stats um he still finds a way to make himself as one of the most relevant reliable scorers in fantasy footy across the formats yeah so I, he's just a gun you just yeah. know you know you pay the big dollar because you just know He's the guy that's most likely to actually give you the output for that big dollar. Like he's done it year after year after year for so long now. Why wouldn't you go there? Like, and I mean, there's a certain guy that might have left the Western Bulldogs too, that might have even forced him into the midfield a little bit more than what we've, we've seen in the last year or two. 
And I think when we'll talk about that absence maneuver that might create that spike in, in just a second. But last year, his seasonal average in fantasy and dream team was a 103.3. It consisted of 12 tons. Five of them were above 120. Additionally, five further scores over 90. Just twice last year, he dropped his scoring under 80. That speaks to that consistency that Rids just alluded to just before. Before the buy, he was running at an average of 107.4. Now, post-buy, split's not as good, a 98.5, but we'll look at that too in just a moment. He ends the year, even with that slow end to the season, with an average ranked 12th overall in Dream Team and Fantasy, and he sits 9th for the highest points delivered in Dream Team and Fantasy for 2022. While in Supercoach, his average of 115 was consisted of 16 tons. Yeah, 16. He converted half of those into 120-plus scores, and there's some really big scores throughout this too. Just even in the first five weeks of last year, there was a 133, a 142, and multiple 150s, and there's more 140s and 150s later on in the year. So it's not just a hot start. He's done it over the time. Outside of those 16 tons, he had four additional scores, 90-plus, and I'm not stuttering. He didn't drop his score under 80 once in Supercoach at all last year. Incredible. Ended the season sixth overall for points, seventh for average. And he just seems this way to do it all, doesn't he, Rids? He'll get there through marks, through tackles, through kicks, through handballs, through um, setting up his teammates with score involvements, through clearances, through contested and uncontested possessions, effective user of the ball. Like you talked about ticking all the columns, and McRae, since 2014, has ticked all the columns. And yet we call it an underwhelming year. Yeah. Like when you read those stats out and we say, oh, it's underwhelming. But like now I'm getting a bit old, so I've got a few grey hairs and everything else happening at the moment. But I tend to remember last year that he was scoring in bursts. Yeah, and a lot was. of it was attributed to role. So there would be times he might get stuck on the bench. He might be out on the wing and the ball was on the other side of the ground. There was a whole heap of stuff that was happening last year that really, really um, took him out of that. I don't know how to call it, but the ball magnet stage. Yeah, the sweet spot. And I mean, yeah. you know, he's the he's as ball magnet as you can get. Like, I mean, I know that people talk about Tom Mitchell, but this guy is is probably more prolific at times because it's just ridiculous. Like he tends to, and he's got that inside outside yeah. game that I know people absolutely love. Um, but I want to, I want to just go and venture into a couple of scenarios here in that. a second. Like early on when he was getting those massive, massive um, runs of scores, I think we've seen in the last year or two them drop off as much. So he's tense. He has a happy like little path at the moment of about, you know, 105 to 115 years ago. I remember, and we used to see 130s, 140s, you know, continually and runs of it. And when yeah. he used to go big, he used to absolutely sink the 14 in the last quarter and go monster big. 
Um, I've got that sneaking suspicion this year. Now, I've heard a couple of stories out of The Sims and practice games and everything else, and hopefully we see it translated to JLT in some stage. Um, but he's it feels like that he's gone back to that half-forward mid-rotation Um which is where I think his sweet spot is. Like, I've always hated him having that wing type. Um, Minutes, yeah. Yeah, I just hated it because I felt that he often just wasn't in the play at all. Now, I'm going to call out a name right now, MJ, that yes, I think boys. a lot of people probably go, who? Uh, uh, yeah, he was someone. But Oscar Baker. Now, yeah, former the Bulldogs demon. went in grabbed him yeah he they grabbed him in the off season um and he is as wing as wing can be he can only Absolutely. really play one spot and that is wing yeah if he starts getting named in that round one round two round three teams or if he comes in in the middle of the year and it's round 10 round 11 round 12 that means there is absolutely less opportunity for McRae to be on the wing because Baker, that's the only position he can play. Yeah, it, it's a, a really astute pickup. A lot of people have gone, Hunter out, who steps into the wing? And they find a way to go, oh, it's Bailey Smith that's on the wing. And maybe that's true. It's Adam Trelaw. And maybe that's true. They both have the ability to be on the outside. Maybe it's a, a Bailey Williams who just can't find his way into that halfback flank consistently. Does he push up? Is it Caleb Daniel? There's a lot of unknowns about the Western Bulldogs. And one of the additional unknowns is a guy that was a really regular part of that side, sort of 50% CBAs, 50% off that half forward line. Josh Dunkley has moved out. I think every, this is not right. A lot of people are expecting McRae to pop by getting more CBAs. Now he's averaging about 65% across the year and he does have moments through the year he pops throughout the high 70s over the career. But that sweet spot role you've just alluded to, Rids, means we could get ourselves back to what McRae used to be just a handful of seasons ago. And I'm alluding especially to the seasons of 2018 and the seasons of 2019 and the seasons of 2020 and the seasons of 2021, where in that stretch, his lowest seasonal average in Supercoach was 121. In that stretch, his lowest seasonal average was a 115. Now, the reason I think that's important, he still picks up those CBAs. But as you mentioned, where he gets lost is sitting on a wing. But if he's playing off the half forward, whoo, boy, now he can take that Dunkley Bailey Smith additional minutes and really keep himself in the game even longer. Yeah, it's just absolutely intriguing. Now, one of the things that, and I say that he's been bevoed. That's how I put it. <laughs> A lot uh, of people Because I don't know how many times I went, oh, you little ripper, McCray's sitting on 50 a quarter time. And then you go out and you do stuff, you watch the football, you just don't see him for a quarter or two. Yeah. Suddenly, I've termed it, he's been bevo What have you done, Bevo? Oh, you've just shoved him out on the swing. You've shoved him out wherever. Like, And it's like you sat him on the bench for long, yeah. crazy periods. Like, 
and it was no real understanding why at times. So what I'm thinking that's happening now is if it's that obvious to an old guy like me, like surely it's obvious to someone in the dog's coaching to go and grab Bevo and go, hey, mate, you actually – you're playing guys out of their best position here. Let's go, let's go back and make life simpler. They won a premiership, MJ, and they yeah. pushed grand finals – by playing guys in their best position. Like, 100%. Yeah, it's just I actually believe that we're going to see the dogs in particular seeing guys playing in their best position, which that spells massive news for uh, Jackson McRae, surely. like Because if he's able to roam, and we've been – we're talking about that uh, you know, that extra mid-rotation, that half-forward that pushes yeah. further up the ground, um, pushes around stoppages. If that's what McRae is, if that's the role, and hopefully we see it in the JLT, yeah. JLT I can tell you now his ownership, because right now I'm really surprised by his ownership, but his ownership, his ownership will Wow, it will go, here's your hot air balloon. <laughs> That's his ownership. <laughs> Sometimes we just forget how good a player is. And, and we look at his season last year and we feel underwhelmed by it. And yet he was still top 10 in Dream Team and Fantasy for points, top six in Supercoach for points. Um, and yet we find a way to build a narrative and I don't know, man. Sometimes the preseason's so long, we make it complex for ourselves. We talk ourselves out of what appear to be obvious selections. What's the downside of McRae? What he is right now. What's the upside of McRae? The number one performer in the game. Now, we've spent a bit of time alluding to some positives. Let's bring some contrast and some balance towards this, especially in AFL fantasy and dream team. I'm going to go before you do that, though. I'm going to throw a spanner right now. All right. I'm ready to catch. Okay. Caleb Daniel. He's spent a lot of time in the midfield um, in the offseason. He has. He's. I believe he's been playing midfield most sims at the moment. Most yeah, sort of midfield wing, half-back sort of triangle. Yeah. yeah. So what happens if he's the guy that takes a few more CBAs and McRae ends up being a red herring again? I'm going to throw another spanner, and I'm going to let you throw a couple of spanners. Yes, please. please. Bevo. Yeah. Bevo. Like I mentioned it a minute ago, he's been bevoed. Yeah. Bevo, what are you doing, mate? If someone hasn't had the um, nuggets to go up to him and say, hey, mate, let's, you know, overcomplicated this. Let's simplify it. Let's play yeah. guys in their best position. Then we may very well see 2023 the same as 2022, the same as 2021. And we'll, again, we're likely to see the doggies be that there or thereabouts in seventh and eighth. Mm. Um, so, they're the spanners, okay, and they're the risks. But yes. what I think that happens with the low ownership is people have owned McRae year after year after year after year because yeah. he was that walk-up start option. Yes, He was the guy that finished in your team every single year. And so people are now going, okay, let's get adventurous in preseason. There's a million content Writers, social media people, yes. experts everywhere. More information than ever before, which is awesome. Well, 
it's great, but it's also complicated and it clouds <laughs> and it muddies the waters. It can. So what they do, though, is they go in and they get the latest name that's maybe training this or doing that or appeared here in an intra-club match or, you know, and so everyone is changing over and over and over again. But what yeah. you'll see come round one, everyone will revert back to their old, I said it the other day, their ex-girlfriends. Yeah. Like they'll go back to their ex-girlfriend, someone they're familiar with. So this is where it's going to come really, really intriguing is the last two weeks before the season. Especially if he has a good pre-season match, Rids. And while we tell people to watch roll, they still watch points. And if his points are strong, watch people flood back to him for that reason. You've alluded to his ownership. At just 17% of super coaches, 21% of AFL fantasy, 29% of dream teamers at time of recording. So for a guy that's done what he's done, not just off the back of last year, but for years gone by, that is very, very low given what he could do. Let's talk about another trend that, that is there with McRae. And it's more AFL fantasy and dream team related. Those 120 scores, that ceiling that at this price point of what you're paying for, they're not as apparent, as frequent, or even as high as they used to be back in 17, 18, 19, and even 2020. Now, Supercoach, it's still there, but not as much in AFL fantasy. For example, 18 tons in 2021 but only six of them were converted into 120s. 12 tons last year, just the five converted into the 120 plus scores. If you're investing some cash outlay this early on for McRae, he needs to be in your early handful of VCC options to roll through. I feel like early on, he's a perfect guy to have as a VC because we know what he can do, but to feel safe with him as a captaincy option, specifically in AFL fantasy and dream team, I don't think people would feel as safe as they would about getting a 115 plus score as they might have previously with him. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, MJ, like, and I 100% agree, Rodio, and that's probably a little bit of a shift. McRae used to be our go-to captain, vice-captain option Everywhere. from round one for every single round for the season. And I think you're right. And I think people are going, rightio, so who do I want a captain? Who do I want to do this? At the end of the day, though, I think the the hardest thing to do with um, fantasy football is be ahead of the curve. Yeah, it is. If you're picking a team based on last year's stats, then everyone's going to have the same team. Correct. Rightio. The idea is you're never going to win a format picking the same team as every single one. Now, no, not. you you may lose the format by having too many uniques at the same point in time in the first couple of rounds as well. But it's a delicate balance. You're still going to need those points of difference. Um, so the thing is being ahead of the curve. Now, it's what we've been talking about is can you, let's say, use sound logic to predict a change in circumstance, a change in role, a change in scoring output. Can you predict, like, and I mean, it's all guesstimates, yeah? Like, but can you, pre can you use sound logic to predict something that comes across? Because you're 100% correct with what you said earlier in the year, um, the year, the episode. Yeah. 
what you're going to do is the worst case scenario is what you got last year for McRae. Which was still top six, top 10 across the formats. We were talking about captains just then as you were looking. His first Sunday game is round 14 during the multi-buy rounds. Yeah, and that's it, VC. That screams to me VC. Every week. And what I'm interested in is who is the go-to captain, you know? Because often you're going to need someone who is on the later like the Sunday games to be able to go to. And it may become a week-to-week proposition and you go through the higher ceiling type guys or you've got to pay the bigger dollars to get mm. a Rory Laird type who will play a lot steals. later in this rounds. Yeah. Yes. So it's really, really interesting and intriguing how it's all going to work this year. And I think this is where the year is going to end up being. Like this is where you're going to win or lose. Like, mm. and I'm talking, and I say that loosely, yeah. I'm talking winning formats, winning whatever your goal is in life. Yeah, leagues. Whether whatever it's it is, leagues, yeah. whatever it is. Who cares what it is? This is where you're going to have a good year or not, is by having those continual options later in the rounds to be your captain. Yeah, and he absolutely could be perfect for you. Uh, We love to chase value. It is the name in many people's eyes, the name of the game. Okay, MJ, what's the number one buzzword for pre-season 2023, please? Value. So if McRae's role does change, is he value? You'd suspect that's a good question, wouldn't you? Yeah, so and I'm, I mean, a lot of people are jumping on the let's let's look at who's been in the top fifty already. Okay, yeah, sure. Tom Mitchell's. Value we're looking at. Eyes. I think you had Sheed in there earlier. Yeah, Sheed value. Hopper, LDU Green, Green value value value. You know, that's what we're doing. We're trying to predict the future. Yes. And go, here's a change of circumstance. We're going to use sound logic to do this. This is our prediction because of this, A, B, C, D. Yeah. And if that happens, then he represents value. But this is the whole, this is where the world's going to now. And I mean, you had the um, goat on, you know, a few uh, Selby days Herrera's ago. magic. Yeah. When we talked about Tom Stewart. Yes. I'm he assuming was the that first Kane. guy. Of, well, Kane's. <laughs> Kane's, Kane's goat, the please. second goat, of yes. course, but but you think about it, Selby was the one who really, really drove home the value point to a degree. Like yeah, he was. So, and this is where the whole change of formats have come into play. Like this is how the strategies have become. Everyone's looking at trying to get an extra return on investment of a dollar value for points. But let's have a look at those though. McRae. Mm. Is the most easiest option, okay? We're talking VC. Yes. Yes. We're talking um, role change. Well, there's opportunity. There's definitely opportunity that that for happen. We're talking, will he get stranded out into something last year? Well, we're saying Dunkley's gone. We're saying Baker, um, Caleb Daniel are coming in. Williams, others could take those roles. Yeah, there's a whole world here where, like, it's it's positive after positive after positive for Jackson McRae. There's a lot of buzz around for Baz Smith. There's yep. a lot of buzz around for Bontempelli. Understandable. Like, 
And I don't know about you, but this is the first time I feel like Jackson McRae is actually sliding under the radar a little bit. I can't remember the last time in the past five years where McRae is just being overlooked regularly and the narrative is oh, others will pop over him. Okay. That's that's fine. That That's totally fine to assume. But everything points to me for McRae to go, could others go past him internally? Sure. But if the Bulldogs have the list that they do that is primed for the spot that it is, who are the players that are best suited in and around the ball for that team to give them an opportunity to succeed? Bontempelli, Liberatore, McRae, they are the best three around the ball. Bailey Smith on the edges, beautiful. Trelaw on the edges, beautiful but he is in the best three if the dogs are serious about another premiership too and i don't know about you but i sort of when i look at that bulldogs team and the mid mix and everything else you've got the mcleans coming in you've got all these other names coming in okay i sort of go the two constants in there because you've lost a contested beast in dunkley the two constants in there for me when i look at it is mccray and libba yeah i don't think like, yes, of course they can play an additional extra role or sure. a different role, but their, their, their role that they were drafted in, that they've proven year after year, is around the ball. Yeah, I mean, I just don't see it changing. I think it's actually going to increase. So, so it's interesting to see where this one lands at the end of the day. It really is. Is Jackson McRae in your starting squad or is he not? Is he someone you're happy to upgrade to or is he someone you're happy to run against? This is what makes him relevant to me. Everything I can see points to him at worst holding and a hold is a top 10 midfielder. That is the worst case scenario. The best outcome, he could be right towards the top of the tree. Will he be? Maybe not, but he's got that opportunity the ceiling concerns me in af but because of that fixture he's a perfect vc and i don't get too scared by it yeah and i think um it's a case of sometimes we have too many mouths to feed in certain midfield mixes sure and whilst we've um lost a like a big eater in dunkley what we've done is we've got little leaders coming around and hovering and like, you know, Toby McLean, the Caleb Daniels. The, but what we forget, though, and what we tend to forget about that is we go, rightio, we're going to go jump on Bontempelli, for instance. Let's yeah. say in AF. Let's just go AF and DT. I'm sure. going to go Bontempelli to take on McRae. Now, sure. that's 100% a viable option. No question about that. But the guy proven year in, year out in those formats is a McRae. Like, and you're getting him, and you started him, got him. He was always in that last eight, you know, that everyone's done. They completed midfield. There, it's yeah. always in the planning, the thoughts. He was always the guy sold. So it's like we're going, okay, no worries. We've done that previously. There's a reason why we did it previously because he was the best bulldog option. Yes. And yes, I get it. Let's go try someone else because we're going to try and get that little bit extra point of difference because we see an opportunity. Yeah, great. But make sure you're doing that. And again, it doesn't matter if you start or upgrade. Make sure whoever it is is actually a true 
point of difference and not yes. someone that you're just, you know, putting a bit of icing on that cake to try and sweeten your narrative that you want. Yeah, oh, I think it's some really good advice. What is McRae going to be? That is the question. We made this point drive it home really big yesterday on the Jack Steele episode. What do you think? What's your opinion? How did you get to that point of view? And what is the evidence that gets you there? And if that means you see some things about McRae and the supporting cast and you fade on him as a starting squad, so be it. But the knowledge of what he could be could make him very unattainable early. Equally, you look at what he's been, you look at the lack in AF and DT, the lack of 120s, and you go, no, I don't feel like I could captain him or vice-captain him early. So you advise away from him. So I've got one extra point I want to call this out on is be flexible, be agile. Okay, this is the first time in our life I cannot remember having so many trades in Supercoach, in Dream Team. AF's got use them and lose them. Oh, I think it's like boost. 50 trades now we've got. It's crazy. What we've got. Don't be cemented in that one view that you had in that eight weeks of preseason totally. where you talked everyone away from McRae. And then when McRae does come out and goes bang and vice versa as well, yeah, exactly when he right. goes bang, then go, you know what, well, I'm not, I'm going to stay stubborn on this and I'm just not going to adapt and change. No, you've, you've got to move now. It used to be in Dream Team and Supercoach, you've got to back the premium in. And while you still need to do that to a degree, it does get to that point now, Rids, where you go, oh, I didn't want to get Josh Kelly because I was uncertain about the role and the mix at GWS. McRae went at a 90, had some weird role on the wing. Kelly popped. When you see something change something don't don't hesitate that's how you make gains in this and game. trust your eyes yes yes okay trust what you see trust back your gut on it yeah correct like those people that jumped on darcy cameron early last year perfect example. they got ahead of the curve and they went flying yeah okay and they made heaps the guys that jumped on tex walker two when he went earlier, nuts yeah. two years earlier you know they got ahead of the game and they actually rank in boots like no other, especially in the first couple of weeks, MJ. Like, I, I can't tell people. People get so caught up in ranking numbers and everything else. Mm. There's only actually 100 points covering nearly the whole comp. Yeah, Let's sometimes. not worry about that. Yeah, that's true. All right, well, he's an interesting bloke to talk about. We've got him at number two. Have we changed your mind convinced you otherwise giving you something to process keen on your thoughts you can always get in touch with us via social media before we wrap up the episode let's talk about draft where does he go on draft day rids is probably someone's m1 no doubt um is he's he a definitely m1 he's a hundred percent m1 but for the first time ever mj he's sliding out of the first round i think that's fair He's actually got potential to slide all the way into the start of the third round in some formats, in some of yeah, the wow. drafts and formats. Yeah. Like this is how cool I think people are on him. And I don't know about you, but these are the guys that I'd be going, if I've got an M1 or a group of M1s sitting in that range of late second, early third, 
That's why I made the call a couple of weeks ago that we might see three forwards go one, two, and three in the drafts because it just looks like that. It feels like that. We're going to have a lot of quality M1s coming later in the draft rounds this year. So I think this is going to be absolutely strategic with your drafting. Yeah, I think you bang on the money on that. Thank you for your thoughts on Jack McRae, Ritz. And I'm going to just call out another thing in the draft thing, just to finish this off totally. I think pretty much mostly the people in the drafts will be probably taking a Bontempelli or a Baz Smith over McRae if they're all in the draft pool at your pick. I really do believe that's where it's heading at the moment. But anyways, MJ, well done, mate. Awesome, awesome, awesome series again. Thank you. And number one. I d- oh. No one should be left looking at who could fill this spot going, hmm, who is it? N- no one that's been following through the 49 players we've now covered should be going, who is it? That's the wrong question. The question is why? Here's what I'll say, even though you all know who it is. It, as we have started working on the 50 most relevant, and I joked about it with Rids at the top of the episode, we genuinely start as a team. And so while it's me that you hear a lot of and see that it is the team of the coaches panel, all getting involved with research, challenging opinion, putting elements of this list together. And there are players that I put higher that at the end of the day, others on the team go, it's your list, mate. Do with it as you will. Um, maybe you thought that way about Clayton Oliver. Maybe you thought that way about Tim Taranto. Maybe you thought that way about James Wolf. The point is, every single player in this 50 has moved a position at least once, except the guy at number one. He's been number one all preseason. He hasn't moved, and it's not for a lack of trying. So why is this guy the most relevant player? I'll tell you tomorrow in the 50 most relevant. Give it all, now give it-